Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio. Uh, we're very excited to uh, introduce Charles D. McCarrick on the show today. He's going to be talking us, uh, to us about his life lessons that transformed into business success. And really, that's that's the true thing. Life teaches us lessons. It's not always an easy thing to swallow at the time, but I can guarantee you whatever you go through in life is going to uh, lead you towards success if you know about it, open your eyes to it. And um, that's what he talks about in his new book. It's called Lessons My Brothers Taught Me, How to Transform Your Personal Qualities into a Successful Business. And in the book, he also talks about his four principles for all success. It's a process he calls the 4S Transform. So we'll chat with him about that as well. But I encourage you to go to his website, Charles McCarrick. Dot com and that's m-c-c-a-r-r-i-c-k so welcome charles how are you oh i'm doing great lisa yeah you know thank you so much for having me thank you for that introduction it sounds to me like you have really captured the essence and the message of the book uh quite precisely you know i have to tell you right now uh nancy and i are we travel full-time across the country for one of our magazines which is parks and public lands. That's our national park traveling site. And um, so we're always somewhere different and there's always something interesting happening at that time. But um, one of the stories in your book that uh, really resonates with me is about you and your brothers, I think when you're younger, being stuck in a snow blizzard, which we are right now with a bunch of dogs. And oh, wow. um, talking about, you know, you and your brothers playing this game of running after um, a, a red cloth I think it was a, a cloth and going further and further. And one of your brothers ended up going into the woods with the dogs. I mean, freezing. And you guys were barefoot. Being in the, the amount of snow that we're in in Wisconsin right now, which I, I don't have the, the best things to say about it. Um, I'm looking forward to Texas. I'm just saying it is pretty, though. But the determination yes. is something that your brother really shared. And in, in even though like frostbite and it's a funny story. Um, but that determination is something I think right now for so many people, um, you it's things are not the easiest times right now in the world in business. A lot of people are starting businesses, a lot of people going through change in their business, um, in their careers, some people losing or lays, getting laid off and having to go to plan B. But I think what's really great about your book is you really go to what is going to make you happy. But it's like that perseverance that's going to take you through everything, just like your brother going, he didn't go running back inside <laughs> to get warm. He yeah. went for it all the way. That's right. He didn't quit. The story that you're referring to is uh, when I was growing up and we were stuck in a blizzard in uh, in the house uh, and we were just going uh, stir crazy. We didn't know what to do. And so me and my two brothers invented this game where we would each get this ditch rag and we'd run out into the snow and uh, you had to do this barefoot and you had to follow the footprints of the previous uh, you know, contestant, pick up the rag and move a little bit further. And as you pointed out, when my little brother Michael went out, the uh, the, the dogs, we let out the dogs. We never didn't expect this to happen, but the dogs grabbed onto the rag and just took off running through the snow. And my brother Michael, he didn't throw up his hands and say, oh, well, you know, game's over. No, he chased the dogs and 
finally got the rag from them and then came crawling back to the house and near frostbite. That perseverance is something that, uh, you know, to this day, I, I now admire, although at the time it seemed uh, somewhat funny. Uh, but, you know, what you point out about, you know, persevering and not quitting and going on, you know, the, uh, that, that is the thing that really sustains you in almost anything in life, but particularly in a business. And you said, uh, you pointed out that, you know, times being difficult for, you know, for, for businesses or, you know, professionals or people in general. I, uh, as, as I was thinking back to the various obstacles that, uh, I had to get through in, in starting and launching and eventually running my business. I said, these can't be happening to everybody. Oh my gosh, what am I doing wrong? Am I lost? Am I clueless? But I found out later, everybody went through something similar. And if people went through similar uh, situations in their business and likelihood, in all likelihood, you went through similar situations for all your life. And the reason you are able to get through those is you call upon those experiences. So in, in my book, I call upon the experiences that I went through with my brothers and the various hijinks in the absence of parental guidance as they set the rules you know, for these, for these various mm -hmm. scenarios and uh, how they applied to uh, my own success. And, and the obstacles are sometimes, I see obstacles as opportunities a lot of times. You just have to look at things. And you talk about also taking the emotion, emotional response out of things and getting down to brass facts and to be able to really make a plan to move forward because if you get hung up emotionally that can tear you apart and 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 it could hurt your passion for what you really love and and that and that's something that's really going to make you successful gives you that drive is that passion for something that's right and many times the reason a person starts a business they, uh, you know, they, they feel passionate about it. And I've heard people to refer to their business or whatever endeavor as their baby. So yes, there is that emotional attachment, but you have to be able to separate yourself from that as best you can so that you can think through, through things methodically and not necessarily from an emotional perspective, but rather rely on the evidence, make fact-based decisions whenever possible. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's, it's, it, it can be quite, quite difficult, but it's absolutely necessary if you want to push through and be able to recognize the difference between, as you said, obstacles and opportunities. And I think mm -hmm. being able to put those emotions aside is what helps to put on, you give you the clarity to uh, make that distinction. Uh, also, one thing that um, I really, really love in, in your book, um, you talk about the importance of relationships. And I really believe that. I mean, we've been doing this business for uh, what, 26 years in this country and a few years in South Africa. And Nancy started the magazine over there. And there was, you know, I've, we've watched our industry go from typesetting and copy and, you know, paste, like actual pasting words onto you know, to be to be printed with a real printing press to now where this digital revolution and we've watched the world go into this, just do mass emails. And, you know, you have all these salespeople on Facebook go, oh, you can start anything, just put up a website and, you know, they will come. Well, bull, <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> I can't, I, I don't watch my language with that because it's really not that. And, and I always found that no matter what, and you talk about actually, you know, you have to get, you have to connect somewhere, whether it's on the phone, Zoom, 
in person is even better, but the world's still, you know, we're global, you know? Well, that's right. And, and nothing happens in a vacuum, right? I mean, there has to be something, some other uh, stimulus or something to get things in motion. And generally the things that get things into motion is relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and relationships are all about, uh, is anybody, you know, I think it's probably intuitive to most of us is, it's about building trust. Trust not only in what somebody is telling you uh, and how somebody's going to be behave, uh, behaving, but also trust in the products and services that you're going to be delivering. Let's face it, if you trust somebody, you are far more likely to interact with them. Um, and, uh, you know, the opposite of the coin is true, that uh, if you have come across someone that you suspect whether or not you can trust them or not, you're less likely to deal with them. So you want to build relationships. It means you want to build trust. And to, in order to do that, you need to trust in yourself and what you are doing, you know, in the products and the services that you are providing. So, you know, building upon trust, building those relationships, you know, that is what gets you outside of the vacuum. And that's what also helps you to you know, establish boundaries that work for you, but without containing you and uh, whatever your goals and objectives yeah. are. I don't think you can just do trust on on online. You know what I mean? You can't just, <laughs> and that, that relationship part of, and I, I mean, companies do have just online things, but it's about how their communication, like you say, trust is huge. We even have a show just dedicated to trust every month. And um, that's, that's something we always talk about, that communication. And I think for businesses, it's important to have those relationships with clients because the world's always changing and business has to change. And when you have to make a change in your business, you've got to somehow keep your customers satisfied. You know what I mean? Cue Simon and Garfunkel there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And uh, as I was, uh, as I had pointed out in the book, the uh, every transaction uh, in the end is between people. And, uh, a transaction is again based on trust. Every transaction is based on trust, mm -hmm. uh, meaning that um, that person has uh, has trust in you that you're going to deliver on your promises, and you have trust that they are going to compensate you, or they're going to uh, they have the wherewithal to fulfill their side of the transaction. So, yeah, we you can't say enough about the the building of uh, trust and uh, relationship. And trust is a key character trait. I think that gives the person salability. Now, salability, you mentioned early on, Lisa, yeah. about my four S's. The, the salability is the first of the four S's. Salability means you have uh, uh, you have a uh, the ability to sell yourself in a genuine, uh, trustworthy way that makes other people want to deal with you. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, if, if it starts with you as the individual. And, uh, and and so that's that's the connection I make between character, trust, uh, saleability, and uh, success. Oh, I wanted to just stall on saleability, and we can go through the rest. Um, but the the saleability part too is, you know, I, I always feel like, and and you touch on this too. This is really a good book, everybody. I'm just saying, you got to go get it. Lessons my brothers taught me. I I just got to keep putting a plug in there for it because. Uh, I just feel it is going to help so many people right now, especially starting a business. Um, and I, I think a lot of times, and, and you went through this having a dream job and then going into your own business. And it's like, it, there's always those, holy crap, what did I get myself into moments, right? And, um, That's right. But, but there's that, um, you have to, it's, we should almost look at our, ourselves as a, as a company. So it's like, 
you know, people are always like, who are you? Oh, I work for this company. That shouldn't be what it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? That shouldn't be what your resume is. You know what I mean? That's part of your, what you do, but uh, understanding who you are and that being part of your sellability package is who you are, right? It's not just what company you work for. No, that, that, that is exactly right. Because a company can have a particular res, uh, reputation and a brand and, uh, and you may make a decision based on that size of the company or the type of products that they have. But the reality is, in the end, when you do business, if you do business with that entity, big or small, it's going to be between you and the, uh, the people or the persons that you enter into that agreement with. It's, uh, it, it, it's sometimes difficult to separate the person from the actual culture of the company, but uh, it, it's much easier if you get, are able to do that face to face. Now, when you start out a company and you're alone in a basement like I was, you know, what is the culture? It's essentially non-existent. So for, around you is going to build a culture. The culture is going to come from the influence of its leaders. Uh, the time to think about culture is then, at the very mm -hmm. beginning before you hire your first people. What kind of company do you wanna be? What sort of reputation do you wanna have? How do you want the organization to run internally? Well, naturally, you say, well, I wanna have good communications. I wanna have honesty. I wanna have people that have empathy and compassion for another. Then you need to exhibit those traits and you need to exhibit those traits in how you do your transactions because that is what's gonna help you to establish that sort of a culture and that kind of company that other companies that want to you uh, want to do business with you. So there, yeah, there is the human slash company uh, connection, a transformation that uh, you were just mentioning, Lisa. Awesome. I, it's yeah. That's 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 one of those things. You, and I love that. By the way, can I just say I like the cartoons? I think we need cartoons in business books. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> that's the way I felt. That's the way I felt too. I, yeah, if, if it's not, it's like, if it's like, do this, do that. Yeah, yeah. And having the stories of personal stories really helps too. To, I think that's the thing. Um, lessons are, are always attached to a story. Um, and that's where a, a lot of schooling falls flat. If, if you know, your, your book should be in schools. I think that, that would be awesome to do. Uh, sensibility is uh, your second S there. Uh, sensibility, and then it goes to sustainability, scalability. So tell us a little bit about sensibility. Okay, well, if scalability, I mean, saleability is something that you emote, right? That's something mm -hmm. that, that's a force that you project out from you to others. Sensibility is essentially collecting information from the external world. Like, I am not going to try to sell ice cubes to Eskimos in the North Pole. That doesn't seem to make sense. My sensibilities would tell me that there is probably not a market for it. Mm -hmm. So sensibility means you understand what the marketplace is and what the industry needs and what you can provide it and how you should be providing it. In my particular industry was uh, communications and I was selling antennas. It, the decision I made up front is, well, there's other people making antennas. I'm only going to take on a job where I know that I can do it better than anyone else, and it's going to be the best. If there are other people, other companies, vendors, suppliers that are already providing that, and I can't do add some sort of any kind of value to that, I don't want to do it. So my sensibility was to make a decision that uh, in the industry, I was going to provide something that was unique, something that could only be purchased for me, and it was going to 
have uh, technical as well as other advantages advantages to dis, uh, to discriminate against uh, other uh, other would be competitors. So I would say mm. that sensibilities is providing others what they want, putting together a smart supply chain that helps you to execute that, and being aware of what else is in the industry. And also with sensibility, you need to be sensible of who you're dealing with. You have to be able to do a certain amount of character assessment sometimes on your feet. Um, and you need to look at contracts. So there's, there's, there's a lot going on, but generally sensibility is that information that you uh, from external that you take in. Mm. It's, it's so true, you know, to just kind of understand, but I like what you're saying about knowing that you're, you're, you're holding yourself, you know, a, a, you know, just you're taking ownership of what you're going to do and do the best, you know what I mean? And like, discern, it's a discernment um, and not going necessarily sensibility is not always about, I'm going to be the cheapest on the block. I think whenever you think that you're going to get in trouble, <laughs> you know I mean? it's, it always seems that way. If you kind of run your business on being the cheapest, I don't That's know. Right. It, just, it doesn't yeah, feel right. No, the last thing you'd want to do, it, especially if, unless you're in a commodity business, you don't want to be competing on price. Yeah. Because then all you do is you're inviting an enormous amount of competition, and then it doesn't come down to the product, it comes to the dollars. Uh, and somebody might always outbid you, and it's um, uh, or underbid you, and, and you might try to do the same. That that's a nasty, nasty uh, blue ocean uh, strategy, yeah. as they call it. You know the the type of thing uh, I, I would want to stay clear of, and I would advise anybody starting their own business to stay clear from. It's it's true, but I think it's a trap that you fall into. Um in confidence, like if you're just starting out, you do it because, oh, I'm getting my feet wet. I, you know, I was, in, I know you're, you're a musician too, right? And I remember, you know, when our band first got out of the garage, um, it was like, yeah, we'll pay for a beer and a, and a, and a meal. And that was not actually the good thing to do for our band. And, um, you know, well, maybe, cause we weren't that great, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, it, it's, I don't know, you kind of didn't put your mark where it should be. And I think confidence, if you don't have confidence and you're going by putting your price down, I think people, you know, smell that out. And when you, you are so low in your price, I think it also means, and then people compete on the price. It can actually ruin the industry that you're part of. It can, it can ruin it, the, the value of it as a whole. Oh, you, you are absolutely right. And the, uh, the, the strategy of saying, look, I'll do anything to get my foot in the door and I will do this uh, for break even, or, or, or lose money or what have you. It's a double-edged sword. I mean, you do it because you say, well, look, this is going to establish a relationship with this particular customer. And once they see how good I am, then I can start doing a lot of business with them. On the other hand, it uh, establishes a precedent that... Mm -hmm. Either these people can easily be taken care of or we can manipulate them into getting things for a fraction of the price. Now, if you're giving away cars for $50, that's very easy to sell. You don't need a super uh, salesperson to be able to execute those transactions. Yep. So, uh, yeah, you don't you certainly don't want to be giving the store away even to get in your foot in the door. I would advise against that. Instead, I would put a valued product 
forward, do a, your best possible job of marketing it and marketing yourself and then sell it at a, a fair price, perhaps a discount to get your foot in the door, but I wouldn't give away the store. Exactly, exactly. I think you you can you can do a discount. And because I also think like when you start something new, you can do a discount because you're still getting your feet wet and you can let people know, hey, I'm good at what I do. However, you know, as we get started, things are going to change a little bit here and there. So you're you're kind of getting the the special. It's like being a beta tester. You get free software. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but, but you're giving That's something right. back and it's still a relationship. Again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, sustainability. I like that word. Um, and a lot of us always think, oh, it's the environment. Well, yes, yeah, sustainability and the environment go hand in hand for sure. Um, because it's about keeping us sustainable as, as a, a species as well, right? But sustainable in business, and that goes back to, you, if you give the farm away, you can't be sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, it's it, it sustainability in business, as you said, the third of the four S's. Now, this is when you're making the transform from the, the more personal characteristics of sellability and sensibility and sustainability pertains more towards the business. And the the definite, definition of business is, is, is really interesting. As I was writing the book, I was using things like company, organization, business interchangeably. And I realized that wasn't the true spirit of what an enterprise is. And business is more or less a company that is brought to life by its members and by the various processes that are taking place in the manufacturing production and all these things okay now mm. that is all that's the busyness part of it and how sustainability applies to that is do you have a sustainable business meaning does it rely on one other particular one particular individual or entity for it, for it to execute for instance I can say that I have a business and it's just me and I'm doing some sales online. Um, or maybe, as I said in the book, I, uh, I decide I'm going to mow lawns for a living and I buy myself a single mower and I go and I start uh, mowing the lawn. Now, those are good businesses if I want to call them, but re in, in reality, they're jobs. And I think it's important to make distinctions mm -hmm. like that. And the, the, the reason it is a job is because it's something that you can quit and the thing shuts down. Uh, and so, that's where the, the non-sustainability comes in. If, if the lawnmower quits, I'm out of business. That was not mm -hmm. a sustainable operation. If it's just me in the company alone doing all the operations, well, then it's not a sustainable business. And if you know, there are entrepreneurs who are completely comfortable and happy with that direction, and that's fine. I, you know, I'm behind them 100%. But uh, when I wrote the book, it was more in, uh, in line with individuals that were looking to build equity, to create mm -hmm. jobs, you know, to make a, a mark in the world. And, and that's the direction I always intended when, uh, when, when I launched my company. And so I wanted to make sure that the company would be able to operate if I wasn't there, uh, either for short or longer periods of time. And, and it took a long, long time to get there. And Part of it was putting people in place, but a large part of it was putting the processes and the workflow plans and getting the capital equipment and all of that in place and operating such that I could take more of a hands-off approach and, and be able to be a, a, a leader you know, and, uh, and a manager of the company, but not necessarily critical to the day-to-day -day operations, and particularly not to any one delivery. Mm -hmm. 
It's so true. I mean, it's, yeah, how far do you want to go? It's, it's about building a legacy too, you know, um, being sustainable and, you know, making a mark there. And I think when we think about this country now, we're seeing giant companies like eat up everything. I mean, like all website hosting and design companies, like the website hosting is almost bought out by one group at this point. So it, I don't care if you go to HostGator or Wix, they're all the same company now. It's it's kind of crazy when you see this kind of global, like I'm eating everything. I've got the pie at the top and I will dictate things. And then we have the entrepreneurs with their real solo, solo projects, which is fine. You know, there's a lot of people that do that and a lot of people setting up, hey, I'm, I'm this business and I work for a bunch of people, maybe as a, you know, in admin or website designer or whatever, that kind of thing, which is which is great too. But I think getting back to actual small business that is employing people, you know, I remember when we first got back to this country, you know, reading that, you know, small business was 49% of this country's makeup in regards to business, which, and it was all entrepreneurial. It was about businesses getting to the place of being able to hire and put back into uh, their local and regional economy. And I feel like we've kind of stepped away from that lately. So I'm, I'm hoping we could have that more of that in between you know, that you're talking about too, um, that kind of in-between business. Cause I think in a, in a grander scale, our country needs that. I don't know what you, what do you think about that in regards to um, businesses being started up and um, kind of scaling up? I, I really couldn't agree more, yeah. you know, in, uh, you know, dur during COVID when uh, I found a, a lot of free time on my hands and that's when I, I decided to, to write this book. I've been talking to a lot of other people that were also working remotely in, in various uh, levels of, uh, of management, different uh, uh, companies and different industries. And they, you know, once they began working at home, they, uh, they didn't, many of them didn't want to go back to the office. Some of them said, well, I missed the socialization, what have you. But others were quite comfortable working home and said, you know, I could probably turn this into, business, into a business. I'm wondering if I really you know, need the company at all. And I would say, well, you know, I mean, you, you shoulder, you know, the company shoulders a lot of responsibility that you're probably not aware of. So you, you really need to think it through. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, mm -hmm. But what I notice about entrepreneurs, they tend to be free thinkers. Mm -hmm. They tend to be risk takers. And they tend to follow the objectives that they know are right. They aren't easily influenced politi politically or otherwise. I mean, they are very directed, mm -hmm. they're thoughtful, they're methodical. And when you have a, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs out creating new technologies, creating new jobs, it is a great thing for uh, uh, the economy, but it's also great socially as well as politically, because now you have these free thinkers who are going to not bow to the, uh, to, to the trends or the buzzwords or the uh, you know or the status quo and really think things through and make good smart methodical decisions. It's not a group that is easily uh, I would say controlled in terms of uh, political leanings because you can't everybody, everybody's uh, thinking you know in, in a different in a different direction. You simply can't you know get them to to cooperate to something that they're simply not going to believe in. I think that's really the entrepreneurs have that streak, and you once you, you can't get past it. It's it's you're kind of born with this. I mean, I think people can become entrepreneurs that never thought of it, 
but there is something where that determination and true belief system, when you have that full belief in what you do, um, there's a stubbornness and it can go good or it could go badly for you as on your stubbornness, right? But mm. I think it's an important thing. And politically, I think that's part of an issue we have too. I think you're really right. Politically, if we had more entrepreneurs, the more we'd be able to get more of a, a balanced business culture because it's not easy for small businesses. We're getting attacked on all sides and none of it makes sense. I don't want to get into politics, but I, I want to smack <laughs> them all. <laughs> just, they, they all suck. I just want to say that. But but yeah, I mean, having these, you know, these workforces, but it's also about, you know, um, right now, I know you're a scientist. I mean, yeah, I mean, who knew that there was antenna people? But yes, of course, there's <laughs> antenna people, right? But you even talk about that's a beauty about how many people are there. And, and you can really get that niche if there's not a gazillion antenna people. That's a that's a smart business move, too. But um, do you find right now with what's going on, uh, science is becoming bigger and bigger part of business and how we use things in life. It's always been there, but I think right now it's actually a very exciting uh, time frame to be in science and be in business and start business and, and work for companies that are into new science. Yes. You know, that it, and to follow up what we we're saying about entrepreneurs in general, they tend to be independent thinkers and uh, they uh, are able to uh, make get into critical situations, find solutions. Uh, and anybody who exhibits those traits, I would I would highly recommend that they consider becoming entrepreneurs themselves. And in terms of uh, science, and, and that also uh, describes any most people that find themselves involved in technology, it's that independent thinking, it's taking uh, information that readily exists and, and pushing it forward. It's an exciting time in my industry because the computing power to do simulations of highly complex uh, scientific models and structures is has grown so much in the past 10 years that we can now predict the outcomes of the performance of products that uh, we might be designing um, almost to 100% accuracy. So with that kind mm -hmm. Of, uh, of, of you know, probabilities of success, you know, then uh, it becomes now quite, quite, quite straightforward to start looking at things that you couldn't possibly have conceived of five or ten years ago. So the computing power and the you know of softwares, uh, and uh, and the computers themselves has really advanced. I think our ability to uh, assimilate, synthesize. Uh, data and to make new solutions. So that's really, really exciting. Now, I wouldn't want to be the, the person who's inventing a, inventing a technology and trying to impose it upon a public and tell them, oh yeah, you really need this. Uh, I, you know, Technology is most valuable when it is producing something of value. Mm -hmm. And it should be able to sell itself. It should be intuitive that this is something that is going to make, make your life better. Now, that's always a philosophical question that I hear has science made our lives any better yeah. well it, does it matter <laughs> I mean <laughs> this is where we are you know and this is where we're headed and uh if there is we move into a new direction you know um uh, I'm all ears well I think also um it's an exciting time but just 
science is not doesn't mean we're getting rid of people working. It's it just means change. And that's the thing, you know, when we look at people that worked on coal mines now going to solar, you know, there's same problems in the solar industry as there is with coal um, in regards to sustainability for the environment, depending on how it's done and where and all of that. But um, it's about a changeover. And, you know, it wouldn't it be nice if we lived in a world where you didn't have to actually be in danger every time you went to work and, you know, for your health and things. And I think science is trying to get rid of that, you know, but it's, it, we're still going to have to mine things no matter what we do. So it's, but it's still, I don't know. I just, I think we're in a, in a forward march in a way. And I just hope people understand that. And that's where science and entrepreneurs can work hand in hand to make real positive changes in the country. But scalability was your fourth S. And I, I think we've talked to, uh, quite a bit about it actually, but any uh, further uh, discussion on that for scalability? Uh, and then we've got the four S's and now we're all successful. <laughs> That's great. The, well, the fourth uh, S is scalability. Again, uh, as it uh, pertains to a business or a company, scalability means a that uh, the, the company is growing. But uh, a truly sustained growth that is successful is one in which you are producing the products uh, without diluting the uh, the performance of the mm -hmm. product. In other words, you are not compromising on quality. You might be increasing quantity, but quality is not compromised. I, I, I don't want to pick on any particular companies or mention any names, but I now, I can no longer drink coffee at certain uh, certain of, of these uh, franchises anymore. I have to make my own espresso at home. I roast my beans and I get back to that coffee flavor that I remember many, many years ago. Uh, there are, my, my favorite coffee shops are in sight of each other now. They're everywhere, but the coffee just not, does not taste the same to me. Mm. And it's not just the coffee that's diluted. It's the entire experience. It's smelling the roasting of beans. It's seeing actual trained baristas serving the coffee. I'm looking in their faces and we're having a conversations. I'm not staring at their back and they're pushing buttons. And so the whole experience and the product and all becomes diluted. And that's not successful scalability. Oh, it's growth, mm. you know, from a revenue perspective, but you did not do what I would call a real organic uh, scaling of the operation. And so that's the uh, the point that I, I am trying to make with the fourth S of, uh, of scalability, where you keep the quality, you maintain mm. the quality that was inherent to the success of your product or service, but you, you know, uh, but you increase, you are able to maintain that and increase uh, the quantity. And, and the, the last thing I want to say about that is, uh, one thing I want to add about that is if I run into a problem with the bank or my insurance company or my electric bill, I am going to be put on the phone with somebody for 30 minutes, half an hour, maybe an hour. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The so-called customer service, is that really the quality in that product that I purchase you know originally and i that, that that's the sort of thing I'm, I'm thinking about when you you're no longer talking to people when you're no longer you know coming in and able to address their problems i can understand that there's revenue uh that there's economic reasons for taking that tact but 
I, for one, don't like, and it's certainly not the kind of business that I would want to be participating in. And I think most entrepreneurs would agree with me on that. Yeah, I, I just, I, I think we've, it seems that whenever these huge, um, the, the big the big companies go in and swallow up all the little ones, that's what we're seeing. Here's somebody, an entrepreneur goes in and actually gets, gets bought out because they have to in the end. It's just these, these giant monopolies occur and then all the quality goes to hell. That's what I see in, in, in business today. It's the giant monopoly comes in Hey, we're going to make it, oh, we're going to make it cheaper. But the quality went out the window because you can't actually talk to anybody. That's not, that's not science. That's not the positive parts of science I'm talking about, just because you can push one on your phone and then three, and then you have to go through the same menu over and over again. And then everybody's irate. And then everybody has to take blood pressure pills. That's not happy. <laughs> See, I Because business is part of the world. I, I, I remember um, years ago, there was a saying, a, a, a former boss said, oh, it told Nancy, there's nothing that happens in the world without a sale happening. The whole world revolves on a sale happening. So if your quality is going down and the relationships are going down, how is the quality of our world in the end? Because I see entrepreneurs being a huge part of making the world work, you know? Oh boy, oh boy are you right. And I have uh, a number of friends that own coffee shops and other small businesses and their strategy. And if they ask me for my opinion, where do you open your shop? Look for a Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts and open it as close as you possibly can to them. They, they will bring in the customers and you will win them over because people want quality. They're willing to spend that, you know, they spend that additional money. And I think that uh, the point that you make about the entrepreneur bringing quality back is the is hits the nail right on the head because at that point the solution is is really at in its most concentrated form it's yet to be diluted it's the difference between buying a uh, a pie that was freshly baked and sitting at a farmer's stand at, at a market as opposed to going into one of these you know larger food chains and buying a pie that was either frozen or it's on the shelf. I mean, you do it and it's a lot cheaper, but let's face it, if you want a good quality pie and you want to enjoy the experience and all that mm -hmm. and possibly even follow up with the person who baked it, then, if, you know, if you're that sort of a person, then you're going to go for the more organic, you know, high quality, undiluted product. So you, you're absolutely right on that. That's the other thing that entrepreneurs do. They bring, I would say, good undiluted quality to the marketplace yeah and i just love the stubbornness of free thought and then putting it into action it's not just free thinking it's free doing and uh, you know we need all the creative ideas that we can have in the world to make it better you know and so it's um i think entrepreneurs are always about betterment I mean, that's what business is is creating something for a better life at the end of the day isn't it, it really yes it is yes and you know stubborn as you put it, I, I think a loose uh, definition of stubborn might be never gives up. Yeah, uh, yeah, perseverance. Yeah, perseverance. Now, is who, I mean, who do you want working, you know, for you or working, you know, on your delivering your product? The person who never gives up. They absolutely will not quit until you. They have met your satisfaction. Mm -hmm. you know, and so uh, that's what you get. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
I, I couldn't possibly agree more with you. Well, it has been such a, a wonderful pleasure chatting with you, Charles. And now I, I would like a cup of coffee, a good cup of coffee and a piece of pie. Thank you very much. <laughs> I did. I did my marketing. Well, yes, the, now, but seriously, coffee, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I don't have any pie, but there's, you know, <laughs> make pizza later. But oh my God. Have to, there's coffee though. I'm, I'm seriously gonna go make some coffee now. Listen, there's snow outside here, so I need yes, coffee. Yes. Um, go and, get and some I'm, coffee and wrap your hands around it. I know exactly. Uh, everyone, again, Charles D. McCarrick. Uh, the book is Lessons My Brothers Taught Me: How to Transform Your Personal Qualities into a Successful Business. I encourage you to go to his website to connect further. CharlesMcCarrick.com. Of course, keep up with us here at BigBlendRadio.com. Thank you so much, Charles. And here's to everyone's success. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. You have a great one. Bye-bye.